0: Thank you Delta K, Arakul Bunjalung woman for welcoming us to country. Delta is a long term supporter of Byron Writers Festival. You're listening to Conversations from Byron, a podcast series featuring writers from the 2020 festival lineup. In this session, Matt O'Kine talks with Nazim Hussain about his Audible original podcast, Nazim Hussain: Rogue Son, available only on Audible. G'day, welcome to Conversations from Byron. This is part of the Byron Writers' Festival. Of course, we've gone online and digital now due to the current situation sweeping Australia and the world. Uh, But we're so glad to be bringing you all of the best from the Byron Writers Festival 2020. My name is Matt O'Kane. I'm an author, comedian, um, radio host, TV presenter, and it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the podcast today our guest who you might have seen on various different TV shows: Orange is the New Brown. Uh, I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. He was the creator and star of another show called Legally Brown. He was part of a Netflix series, "Bill Nye Saves the World." He has a Netflix special, stand-up special, Nazim Hussain, public friend of me. He really is one of Australia's favourite comedic talents, media personalities, all-round nice guy. Please welcome to the podcast. It's Nazim Hussain. G'day, mate.
1: Hey, hey, how's it going, bro? I mean, to be honest, on all of those things that you've listed, pretty much we've worked together on. So. So um, I am if you're responsible calling me
0: a call- for your success. I think You are
1: responsible. Have- I've just been I've been I've been riding on your shoulders the whole time. Oh,
0: I'm responsible Should for be. the reason why uh, any haters out there um, are out to get me. Exactly. <I> can, <laughs> yeah, could yeah, you actually can take be that to me that they're angry right. with. Um, so well, yeah, Sometimes
1: but- there is a confusion.
0: <laughs> there, there is <laughs> have, has everyone thought that you're in the masked singer? <laughs>
1: Oh my! Do you know how many people have had message me going, "Are you in the Masked Singer? You're in the Masked Singer, aren't you?" Have people asked you as well? Of course they have. And I remember when
0: you were on the cele- I'm a Celebrity, get me out of here. So many people were like, "Oh, it's definitely you! It's definitely you!" And I'm like, "I'm not going into the jungle." And then you came. Then you came out to be going in the jungle, and I was like. God damn it! Even rumours think we're the same person. You know what I mean?
1: So well, uh, I think it was. Yeah. I think at the time when they were like taking votes for to save people or whatever it was, they actually had to change. Um, you know, that, that so someone if it was like Kate, that they changed the spelling to C A T E C A I T K A I T, like just to capture all the spelling mistakes. And for me, they included a lot of other people's names, including Walid, Nazim. I reckon they would have put. Maddo kind in there as well, in case people <laughs> well, we'll thought see. that they were voting for you.
0: <laughs> now speaking of the jungle, Nazim Hussain, um, mm. it kind of relates to the podcast that you recently made with Audible. Uh, it's called Rogue Sun, and it's the reason why you're joining us today. Um, because you, I mean, you you went to the jungle essentially.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I did actually. Parts of Sh- I mean, I went back to Sri Lanka and. Uh, walked through many parts of different jungles trying to uh trying to trying to reconnect with my Sri Lankan heritage yeah
0: well that's it I mean the 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 podcast is called Rogue Sun and I mean right from the get-go you realize that this is almost uh, a battle between yourself and your culture and your family and you know you wanting to set out to to live your own destiny Determine your own paths, yeah. Make your take your own journey. Yeah. Um, can I ask you, what is this podcast about and why did you make it?
1: Well, um, it's basically me going back to Sri Lanka. And by going back, I mean, well, I wasn't born there. I was born in Australia, but uh, definitely, you know, my ethnic roots are Sri Lankan, and um, it's funny, isn't a it? When people
0: say that, people have always said that to me as well. Oh, so have you been back to Ghana? And I'm like, I'm not. I wasn't there. I wasn't from there. <laughs> <But> I am <laughs> sort of, <laughs> but
1: going but back it, it, there, seeing well, it's sort of it's it's a weird thing, isn't it? it? it it's a totally weird, and that's the thing. Like, I mean, as uh, listeners will find out, you um, featured uh, fairly heavily in the first episode. You and Walid and some other friends of mine who have um, who are in this sort of similar situation. Um, Born here, parents raised over there. We're sort of we're we're a mix of cultures. Um, we're navigating different identities and now we've got kids as well. So trying to translate who we are to them is uh is a question in front of mind. So it's sort of with all that that I um went to Sri Lanka and Audible were like, hey, we'll give you some money to do it too. And a producer, a white producer. And I was like, you mean a white slave? They're like, you can call him what you like. But um, no, but I had a guy, James Mil- <laughs> James Milson, great, great podcast great producer, radio producer, sound engineer, smarter than I am. He's actually like a lawyer as well. So he's got um, you know, he uh he kept us out of trouble. But um essentially, yeah, going to Sri Lanka to uh to understand that part of my identity. Um I guess. F- with, the, f- f- um, with the simplest of intentions to explain to my son that part of his identity. But also, I feel like um, there is something in connecting your lineage with who you are right now, um, understanding that tradition. I think, um, you know, you grow up in a country like Australia, and I think, um, I guess, white Australians would probably have a very clear idea of what uh, it means to be... Um, Australian or, or white or whatever because the culture around them, uh, is not inconsistent with their, with their kind of, um, with their outlook. Whereas I think, yeah, like growing up in a Sri Lankan home and then going to a, you know, conventional Australian school, yeah, yeah, you're sort of trying to figure out where you sit. So, yeah, my mum was, uh, it's called Rogue Son because my mum wasn't too keen on the idea. Because Sri Lanka has experienced in recent years a lot of civil unrest, um, the civil war in Sri Lanka is quite brutal. Every time I've gone to Sri Lanka over the years, you know, you leave the plane and there's people with machine guns lining the, the exit corridor and suicide bombs and, you know, accusations of genocide. It's, uh, it's not been a safe place. And my mum has historically never let me go by myself, <laughs> um, or encouraged me to go with her or stay with her family. So this is the, this is the first time that I've gone by myself and just done entirely my own thing. Um, in a country that she probably understands the dangers of more than I do. And I, and I guess through the series, through this, through this experience, I actually gained an appreciation for how dangerous things were. And, and, uh, I stopped seeing my mum as someone that was perhaps bordering on paranoia and someone who, yeah, who, um, who, yeah, who's got genuine fears and concerns
0: yeah who probably had some you know lived experience with the with the full frontal violence or you know at least had seen it unfold in various parts i mean did your parents come to australia as refugees or were they did they uh no. come as professional
1: kind of like yeah my um my dad was um he, he was educated in the uk and then um then uh went to sri lanka met my mum married my mum they were young, not like super young, but they, it was kind of an arranged marriage. My mum met him. She liked the look of him. And then, um, she said, yes, I like him. I'll marry him. And then they got married, came to Australia, skilled migrants. But, um, but yeah, it was not long. uh, It was around that time that the civil war sort of broke out in Sri Lanka as well. Um, and then, and then refugees started coming into Australia from Sri Lanka. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, 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 but, but, but they sort of, every time they've gone back and, you know, stories from family, about, um, the sorts of stuff that, but Sri Lanka's kind of had this past for a long time, even pre the civil war, I guess the background for that, which is, I guess what I learned more of when I went there was, was the sort of the, the the very brutal history of colonization in Sri Lanka. Um, when the British came and really, you know, kind of like what they did in India, um, forcefully united a people who were kind of living, you know, relatively peacefully apart in their own ways, in their own kingdoms. Um, and then when they left, there was, you know, sort of set the, set the scene for, for what was to come. So there's always been conflict and agitation and political unrest. And, um, just like in many parts of this, you know, of of Asia, um, it's just, that's a sort of, that's just the norm. So, but I think, you know, you're, we're young men, we're young guys and you, and you hear stories of like your parents' countries and you're like, ah, yeah, it's, it sounds bad, but every time you go there, it seems okay you know maybe these these stories are a little exaggerated I'll ever go I'll be fine I never get to holiday there like we were talking about it on I remember we had that we had that chat oh yeah you know
0: like that's a big one man I mean the the, the idea that you know going going to your country of, I don't want to say country of origin, but mm-hmm. yeah, going to... to going can to you say, I think the, you can say country, country of ethnicity cultural. or something? Yeah, country of... Yeah, yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know the same when, I, when we talk about in the first episode, but you go back to... I, when I go back to Ghana, it's like I never get to see Ghana as a, as a tourist, as mm. I never get to go to all the cool places, the amazing beaches and stuff. It's like I spend all... It, it's literally like imagine coming... Imagine going... Your parents going, hey, we're going to go to Australia. And you're like, oh, sweet. And then you spend your entire time (laughs) visiting people in Penrith. (laughs) And And you're like, but... I heard there's like Bondi Beach and the Opera House and I heard that there's Uluru and the Great Barrier Reef and it's like, no, 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 we have to visit for five hours every day people in Penrith and then we're uh, flying
1: home. And just <laughs> sit in front of a TV eating the same food that you'd eat back home anyway <laughs> and you're just sitting there with a freaking Lonely Planet guy looking at all the stuff happening outside that you don't get to do. Yeah. <laughs> and the most annoying thing is like, you know, you're like, I don't know about you, but you come back home and you're... Your friends are like, Oh, you're Sri Lankan. I've been to Sri Lanka and they're showing you photos of these amazing places they've been to. And, you know, they got, you know, they're all partying it up. And I've never seen that life in Sri Lanka. So, in fact, actually, this time I didn't really get to do that either because we were running around doing podcasting. But, um, but no, it's, it's such a, like, yeah, it's, it's, that's what we miss out on being second generation or first generation, whatever you call us. Um, yeah,
0: well I mean you got you got to see some incredible spots though. I mean mm. I, I I mentioned in the podcast as well that I went to Sri Lanka for a month and looking at some of the things on your on your yeah. lists of places that you got to visit and the yeah, people yeah. you got to interact with, it sounds incredible. Mm. But I want to first start off with what happened while you were flying in the air. <laughs> oh, you, were, oh, God. you were on your way there and, mm. and and things changed.
1: Well the timing of everything was just uh pretty insane. We um we were flying in and we were actually very actively trying to make the decision as to whether we go or pull the plug on the whole thing, pull a pin on the whole idea, because the election was coming up and this was in the wake of the Easter bombings. So remember, um, some terrorists bombed some, um, lots of places and killed lots of, lots of people in Sri Lanka. And, uh, off the back of that, um, the opposition, uh, launched their campaign, uh, with security being one of their main policies. So this is the same, uh, political party, and in fact, the same brothers who were in power when Sri Lanka oversaw the end of the civil war. And that's when there's lots of accusations of genocide that have been leveled at the two Rajapaksa brothers. So they were running for government. And, uh, if they got in, they were essentially quite unashamedly pointing the finger at minorities. So minorities include Muslims and Tamils and, uh, you know, the last time they were in, a lot of people died on their watch. I'm not going to say it was their fault because I think defamation laws are pretty strict. Yeah. <laughs> you, you also
0: a- don't want to be the victim of some bizarre accident <laughs> or something I know, like exactly.
1: Well, well, totally, so this is the thing. So, uh, and um, there have been so many stories of like people who have maybe been critical of the Sri Lankan government here in Australia, family over there, some of this stuff has happened to them. So, you know, uh, and, and and also there was like um, people who were apparently shot on the way to vote and all sorts of crazy stuff. So we so we we made the decision. Okay, let's go despite some advice saying we shouldn't go from people um, who who do security analysis for a living. Anyway, while we were in the air, the election was um, the results were being called. So uh, we would check in whenever we would have Wi-Fi on the results, and it was down to the wire. And we only found out when we landed in Sri Lanka who had won. I don't know if we should... Well, I should give it away. It's obviously in the news. But basically the okay. opposite... You yeah. don't
0: have to give it away.
1: don't have to give it away. All right. But it was, um, to be honest, it really just turned our whole project on its head. And uh, genuinely, the stakes... If Everything felt a lot more dangerous. And what we thought would be a much more lighthearted and FUD podcast... Um, became a little bit more a little more serious and we had to take many more precautions and um, it uh, it escalated in ways that we couldn't really imagine. Okay, well, I mean, yeah. it
0: sounds like things got pretty serious, but it, was there many highlights? The trip oh, it was, what are some of the lighter points that, that <laughs> really stand out to you?
1: It was real fun. Look, to be honest, again, I got to go to all the places that I never got to go to. So um, I climbed Adam's Peak. I don't know if you've heard of this. Basically, Adam's Peak. Did you do it?
0: No, I didn't. We did Sigria, which I know is completely different. Oh, Sigria, yeah. We did that. Too.
1: Yeah, it's yeah, but that's also a big wall. T- in more. terms
0: of heights. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. I, uh, in terms of high things, I climbed, I chose one and I went with Sigria.
1: Well, Siguria is a beautiful place. It's like um, sort of central Sri Lanka. It's um, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site where a king from back in the day, like, he, he made his palace on top of this massive rock. One at the top for winter? And one at the bottom for summer or the other way around. Um, and he had like hundreds and hundreds of concubines in these pools that they would just swim naked. Like it was a real sexed up place uh, back in the day. But um, a cra- <laughs> cra- crazy story. Like he actually, his dad was the king. And then his dad took him to a lake to tell him the news that his other brother was going to be the king. And... And, 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 and the, and the guy, and Kashafa, the guy who went on to build this rock palace was like, see, so, so what do I get? And his dad basically, like, gave him a handful of dirt or, or a cup of water or some shit. Like, basically, nothing, son. And so, so, so he then killed his dad, like, minutes later, just locked him in a, a friggin' cave or something, and then went back to town, and everyone was like, Where, where's the king? And he's like, ah, uh, I killed him. So everyone ran away, including, like, the monks. So then, um, he couldn't live in the palace because no one wanted him there. So then he built this palace on a rock. But um, it was a, it was, a, it was a quite a, quite a crazy story. And then he you know he had a battle with his brother. So he climbed that. Had some crazy stories. But actually, Adam's Peak was the other was one of the more interesting was one of the most interesting things that I uh, places I've been to. It's um for Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus. Like that mountain is really significant. Like um. For Muslims, like Muslims believe, or a lot of Muslims believe that there's a footprint at the top and that footprint, Muslims believe, belongs to Adam from Adam and Eve. And Christians think that too. Buddhists think that's Buddha's footprint. Hindus think that's like one of, um I think it's Lord Vishnu's footprint. So everyone sort of walks this mountain to have a look at it and pray in their own way. And um we went there thinking that we were going to see all these people, but we went in like the off peak. So it was just us and some Swedish backpackers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But did you? Is, is the footprint just on the ground? Can you like put your own foot in and see whether? Well, it's, it was the one. Your, maybe your Adam.
1: So we <laughs> like that. Um, what's that thing where you're trying to take the sword out? That ancient whatever. Yeah, or, exactly. Or, like or Cinderella
0: Stone or whatever. Cinderella. Yeah, it's like imagine if that. Imagine if you put your foot in it and then suddenly the mountain just molds I into was, your leg and it's like you're you Adam. <laughs> your home.
1: You can never leave. The Sri Lankan story of Cinderella. Well. <laughs> we, we, actually, the problem was we climbed for freaking hours. We had to wake up at two and start climbing at two thirty, and so that you make it by sunrise. And we get there, and the and the, mm. and the footprint is kind of like in this temple, and that was locked. So, bit of an anti <laughs> so You got honest. the key <laughs> when you get to the top. You're like, oh, did you bring it? Who's <laughs> yeah, got the key? You know, I was like, please, man, I'm trying to bribe people. No one wanted our cash. You can't bribe holy people. But um, <laughs> so it was. I was pretty fun. It was it was it was it was great fun. But yeah, like sore for weeks after that walk. But you know, um, the next day we went and got like traditional Sri Lankan massages, uh, which I didn't even know was a thing because you know in Australia we just get Thai massages and Chinese massages and. Uh, I've heard of Swedish massages. Maybe and Swedish massages. Swedish. What else is there? Is there a Ghana... Do you, do, do you guys have...
0: I don't think there's a Ghanaian massage. I've not had a Ghanaian massage before. But, but the
1: thing is, there's got to be, because, like, what, they've been massaging... Clearly, massage isn't something that people have learned from other places. I'm Surely they've rubbed yeah. each other, yeah. So there must be something. But anyway, there's a Sri Lankan one, <laughs> and it blew my mind. But they use all sorts of... Like, they've got their own... It's called Ayurveda, which is, like... um. Like, you know, the Chinese medicine is like Sri Lankan traditional medicine. And, uh, it's like sometimes spices and stuff. They put it in bags and sometimes beat the crap out of you with them or they pour oil on your head. And it's, it, it sounds weird, but it was really, it was weird, but I left feeling quite relaxed. And, um, also on top of that, they've got this interesting sort of, um, white magic type thing where they can, um, appa- where they can apparently bring people back to life if you... Um, oh. Yeah, so I didn't get to see that happen, but heard lots of heard lots about that. Um, well,
0: I'm, I'm interested to know as well your... I mean, because there is the deeply historically cultural, you know, traditional side of so much of Sri Lanka. Mm. Um, and then... It's quite jarring at times mm, when mm. you go to a place mm. where the colonizational roots, mm. history mm. is bleedingly obvious and, 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 in fact, quite in your face. Yeah. In a way, like, uh, uh, did you head to Nuara? Oh, Nuara had- earlier. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, actually, I think was one of the first places we went to. And, um, yeah, like, it's so weird, kinda in that region, in South Asia. And it's this weird idea with colorism. I think it's probably more pronounced in India. You know, um, this sort of Stockholm syndrome, where people look at fairness of skin, or whiteness of skin, as like a virtue. So the whiter you are, the more affluent you must be. And some say it's because the lighter skinned you are, that means that you've probably not worked out in the field, so you're probably wealthier. It used to be this, I, this idea of fair and fat. Um, you know, if you're fat, it means that you're well fed and you're, and you're wealthy. But, um, it is also this idea that like, yeah, the British ruled over Sri Lankans and they were powerful and rich and, and they brought in this idea of, which is, which is, uh, it's a misplaced idea of civility, Victorian values. So people used to look at the British and go, "Oh, oh, oh, and they start to believe that they are better than them. And so, yeah, there's still this kind of this, this residue of. Yeah, Stockholm Syndrome. So you go to Nora Elia, and there is, there are places, so it's, it's, it's where you buy, where, it's, it's a tea plucking district, so it's quite a cooler place. And, um, in Nora Elia, there's this weird obsession with English culture. So there are like English cottages. You can go to this place. We went to a place called Little England, where they had houses built with very steep roofs, which is what you'd have in England for when it snows. But it's Sri Lanka on the equator. <laughs> so it's just bizarre it's a kind of a and you can buy english houses with you know with that have english names and um but also like well, we went
0: we we went to uh we went to one of those big kind of mansion-y style one of the big grand hotels there you know and um you're playing you're playing in the billiards room <laughs> and there's you know two two sri lankan dudes in in the white Oh, my God. Suits with the coattails. Does it feel like Get you know, Out? Cleaning the
1: balls for you. And you just feel you're like, <laughs> this is gross. Like, it's, it's so really weird. Gross. It's, it's so weird. Well, That's exactly how I felt. Oh, my God. It was like, it was viscerally like, what are you doing? It's like that movie Get Out. I remember looking at it. I'm like, <laughs> what the hell? You've been brainwashed or something. Someone needs to wake you up. <laughs> But, um, but we had, to, we actually went to this, there was this exclusive club where, um, it's only for foreigners. And, uh, so when we got there, James, the white producer, he got in and then they started talking to him like, I don't know if he can come. And James was like, and I was like, oh no, I'm an Australian citizen. And so they're like, okay. Even though I'm like, wait, wait, you're policing. You, what? You are like it's kind of the opposite of like, get out, we're full in Australia. It's is really weird. But, um, yeah, but it's sort of like, you know, when you unpack that psychology, it's quite, it's interesting. Like even yeah, even the idea of, um, you know, like uh, homophobia in, in non-Western countries or like the idea of sexual conservatism, um, these are, if you speak to Sri Lankans, these are imported ideas um, because they were before, say, colonization happened in, in Sri Lanka, uh the Victorian values or that idea of shine, like the, it was a little bit more sexed up. And then, you know, um, the British came and sort of imposed these ideas and values on the on the population and they sort of became adopted, which is sort of like the criticism, you know, like when Israel Folau, you know, he says what he says, a lot of people have said, well, where do you think he got these values from in the first place? You know, um, I'm, I'm not sure what country is he from, He's, his background, but those sort of island countries christianity is a new um idea relatively speaking and uh the politics of sexuality is also something that that he, that he's spouting is something that came from white people when they came and colonized and then they leave and then they go on and you know advance um socially yeah and,
0: and then they change
1: the change the uh, and then they change the tune the and then some
0: and their opinions and then they're like hey how come you're not progressive yeah, I, yeah, exactly oh like my what?
1: god you're so homophobic. where did that come from you discussing <laughs> yeah. backwards foreigners so it's like uh it's it's it's, it's, it's quite weird seeing that and even the, you know the civil war is so sad so many people have died but then you speak to academics on all sides and they say and they and they point to the root of that being well colonization there were tamils living in their own kingdom singales living in their own kingdoms and then the british came and kind of like you know forced basically created this idea of one country and then when they just leave there are these sort of fractures between the communities. And then obviously people fight each other and die. And then we look at the third world and we say, oh, why are they fighting? Well, because of what happened and how it came to be that way. Uh, so it's, um, it's sad, you know, like you, 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 we look at, we think about Australia and like, uh, our own, uh, our own history of uh, colonization and, and indigenous people and how there's such a, a gap between, you know, Aboriginal people and the rest of us. And, uh, but it's yeah, but you see it in your own country of origin or ethnicity, and and it's uh, it's equally disturbing. Um, just sort of, you know you just see when, lo- you see was, poverty. When,
0: when was the first time you went to Sri Lanka? How old were I you, and that, what were you? What was your opinion then? I think I, went I remember in, I was quite. When I went to Ghana for the first time, I was I one I I didn't like how it. how old were you? I just I was fifteen years old, and I had never been to a developing country before, and. All I wanted to do, it was school holidays, I had to spend my whole school holidays (laughs) in this this foreign country where, you know, all I wanted to do was to be at Stradbroke Island with my friends (laughs) drinking bagged wine on the beach, honestly, and I had no respect whatsoever for the experience that I was getting, and... The opportunity that I had to, to be a part of this experience in this country and and my family and everything. What was your experience? That's
1: honestly what you're speaking my language. That was, uh, I mean, I went when I was in grade two and I had my, my experience of Sri Lankan-ness was with my family in Australia. So it was just like people that had moved here. Um, and you know, it's just food, food and the way and the accent and cricket. So, was, and then, but we're all driving nice cars and, you know, living in the suburbs. Or whatever. But then, yeah, when I was grade two or three and oh my God, yeah, jarring, just seeing poor people like, or, or poor people everywhere. I guess not as much as India, but like still, like because people who come to Sri Lanka go, oh, this is, there's not as many beggars, but there's, I just remember seeing people begging aggressively and... Just like Kate, like traffic and the temperature. Also,
0: having I, I when I when I went to something that I have found in Sri Lanka more so even than Ghana as well as the um is the kind of health the um really in your face prevalence of you know people oh people with, that are deformed. Uh, Listen, yeah, missing legs, mm, 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 etc., cetera, mm, mm. due oh, to like, my uh, God. poor healthcare and all that sort of stuff. Like, I yeah. found that quite confronting for the first time that I went there.
1: Yeah. Well, I think also, and I don't know, like, I know in the Middle East, um, some people, like, gangsters will kidnap children and they'll break limbs because then they get more money when they beg, I've heard. Um, mm. But, uh, so whether that's true or not, but yeah, there was so much of that. And yeah, you just never see that. And it was, it was pretty full on. And I remember, like, going, what the hell? This is, I just want to go home, like be with my friends and, you know, watch TV and all that. sort of thing. But, but like, I but I remember the turning point for me was like, you know, cause my, I think my mum just didn't like, she was just like, whatever, they'll learn. And then hanging out with my cousins, uh, when you hang out with kids, your own age, you sort of want to fit in. And I remember like being teased a little bit when I got in a car once and I put my seatbelt on and, and they all started laughing at me like, ah, <laughs> look at him, the little, like your little, your little kid or your child. Um, like, you're scared of danger. And so I just remember, like, trying to, like, uh, fit in and I play. And then I eventually kind of understood the, the fun that they have, like, just running around the streets, playing cricket and neighborhood friends and just that sort of idea of just hanging out with people that just ha- like heaps and heaps of people. Um, and I didn't really live that in Australia. I know, like, people do have neighborhood friends, but just that sort of, chaotic everyone knows everyone parents of other children can parent you if you're doing the wrong are thing you, are you white over there <laughs> oh yeah well that's the th- so what i put my seatbelt on actually they said something like good air like what do they say they said something like basically basically calling me white and or um i've never seen uh like a seatbelt before. Like, but, but yeah, people, when I speak Sri Lanka, when I speak Tamil, or if I try to say something uh, like a Sri Lanka word, people will laugh at me. Like they, they make me say it again. Like they know that I'm this freaking coconut.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so frustrating. Isn't it like, I remember when I'm 15 years old, first time in Ghana and, and one of my cousins said, Oh, were there many white people at the beach? I couldn't understand his accent exactly. So I said, Oh, what was that? And he goes, white people like you. <laughs> And I have Are you serious? never been called oh my. white in my what? life. Like that's the thing. And I and and it and it occurred to me because I'm half half, <laughs> I am literally as white to them as I am them. What's What?
1: Person. The... And
0: like they would it just it was just such a shock to me. <laughs> I'd never experienced that kind of thing. And, and and you do find that thing where suddenly and it goes back to what you mentioned at the beginning, that this idea that when you do grow up coloured in Australia you know, white people have never had to, until probably, or well, more recently, had to question the colour of their skin. It's just yeah, it's- something that exists within within them. But it's the same way that I have never had to, I've never had to question my ability until I, you know, talk to someone like Dylan mm, Alcott, mm. who is in a mm. wheelchair, has grown up in a wheelchair his whole life, and could point out... Mm. So many. Oh my god, that is so true. Little injustices and things that he has to deal with day to day. I remember when I got a pram, very first time when we got a pram, walking my walking my daughter, and I'm walking along the footpath, and the footpath just stops, <laughs> it just drops, like. <laughs> like and I'm a curb.
1: like, what yeah.
0: the hell? And on the other side of the street there is a ramp to get off the street, but on this side of the street there's just Whoa. a drop, and I was like. If
1: I was in a wheelchair, uh,
0: what the hell am I supposed to do <laughs> That is here? so... And, and the, 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 like, little things like that. You no, but that's that, actually, that way. is
1: such a good way because I think, like, yeah, I think the first time, maybe it was, like, uh, Stella Young, back when she was alive, she, uh, you know, I think she referred to me or people as able-bodied. And I was possibly, and I know it was so late in my life, but I'd never, like, been called able-bodied. And I actually was like, oh, my, I'm able-bodied, which means... There are other people that are not able, like a sort of, even though yeah, you're, you're aware, yeah, right. you're aware of people with disabilities, <laughs> but yeah, like I guess, and I remember like the first time, you know, just in comedy, you, you refer to a person as white. And I remember that being really jarring back in the day, which now it's a little bit more in vogue. You can call people white and it's not such a weird, but like to call out a white person's ethnicity is weird, but just like, yeah, just like going to Sri Lanka and suddenly having to question your brownness or or your Ghanaianity. It's uh it's 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 weird, but I think it's healthier cuz uh imagine your kid now and my kid they're probably even further. I mean, I wonder what the world's going to be like when they're teenagers and whatever like if it's a little bit more normal to be from everywhere. But um but yeah, there's,
0: I feel like it w- I feel like it surely would be because I'm sure you and I have the same experience where like I mean, even just seeing the growth of African population in Australia is completely different. Like when I was growing up in Brisbane, man, there were barely any African people. Like they just, I just barely saw I that. actually like- I, And I, there certainly weren't many half, like mixed people like shit. me around. Now you see heaps.
1: Yeah, I've always like, and what about I've, always, you? I've always thought about like your life in Queensland because like, you know, the idea of Queensland is I know probably a little stereotypical, but it's true. Every time I've been there, I've just noted the culture. Like, it is much more uh Australiana Australian. Like it is a bit more it feels a little um a little television Australia, you know? Um, and the the racial the racial diversity is not as not as mixed.
0: Everyone walking around with the, the, the Cuba hats on with the corks dangling down and yeah, yeah, it is mate. That's what it's like. Welcome to Queensland. No, no, but
1: like you do comedy in Queensland. I've always I've always like admired that. Like that is a, that feels more more challenging than you know than in cushy Melbourne.
0: Well, I mean, what you do is you make fun of your race a bit yeah. more. That's what I was doing at the yeah. beginning. You know, you, you sort of it's that self-deprecation, yeah. trying to disarm. Kind of, like, hey, I yeah, I know I'm black. I'm I'm cool yeah. with it. You're cool. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're cool with it, that sort of thing. Yeah. It, it, it you you look back on the when growing up and you realize how much um like the like the you know Sri Lankan dudes in the white suits in that mansion playing <laughs> billiards. Like, you realize the conditioning that you've been. Mm. The sort of denial that sometimes you've you've had to put mm. up f- for your culture of your culture mm. to feel like you're fitting in. Yeah, it's so
1: weird, and it's, and the and I don't know if you ever you've just reminded me of like that feeling when I was at school. And sometimes, yeah, you're just yeah, you, like until you yeah until you start turning that corner and you feel a bit of pride in your colour. But you know, you make fun of yourself, and then suddenly you see another brown kid maybe in the room as well, and you're like, oh we both can see what we're doing or you get, you feel called out like, Oh, what am I doing? Like I'm selling myself out or something. Yeah. Um Yeah, totally. It's right. Weird, yeah. Um, How do you feel about having a,
0: having a son now? How do you feel about what, what are your hopes and, you mm. know, aspirations for his connection with mm. the
1: culture? Well, I, I feel like, um, Uh, I definitely had a, an idea of Sri Lanka that was never like, I was never explained Sri Lanka to me by my parents because that's just who they are. And I just think, you know, we have so much more time. We've got way more of a luxurious lifestyle to think about identity. Whereas our migrant parents came and they just freaking worked, survived, you know, whereas, um, but I do think, yeah, racism growing up in school and that sort of question of identity and feeling different. Was something that I had to overcome and figure it out by myself with friends who also were figuring it out as we went along. But having now figured it out, I think I'm still figuring it out. But having gone through it, I feel like one of the big things that I take away is that um, I would probably want my kid to know um, and feel proud and to tell him to, to to call out his skin color, to call out, to to, to to let him know that he has Sri Lankan-ness, South Africanness, Irishness in him, and what that means, and to not be surprised by people asking questions of him that may come from good places or bad places, but just to sort of have, to, to not be surprised by what life can throw at him. Um, obviously, you can't prepare your kid for everything, but to just, to, uh, to 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 throw at him in kind ways, what we've both probably experienced and probably, yeah, had to figure out on the run. I just want him to not have to have to, you know, we've lucked out and come out of it quite well, you know we're both comedians and authors or whatever and we can we can translate our experiences into something that is positive artistic and creates money for us <laughs> but there are for every one of Matt Okine, there's there's dozens of kids who you know who grow up with internalized self-hate um who question their self-worth who turn to drug dependency who bully their children or who abuse their children who bully other people lateral violence is a big thing domestic violence. so i think there is no benefit in um, in, uh, in in not equipping our kids and giving them the best chance to yeah to grow up as comfortable and proud and feel as normal as they can, just like other kids do. So yeah, that, that was basically. And I think like also just to let him know that we've got some great food in Sri Lanka. I've learned some recipes and uh, and I can give him a Sri Lankan massage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so what so then when time comes in 20 years time and he decides hey I'm going to go rogue and uh, head to Sri Lanka by myself <laughs> what's it going to no. sound like the start of your podcast I'm going to
1: say no way in hell mate I'm coming with you <laughs> Because <laughs> I think it's gonna be a, he's gonna be a heartbreaker,
0: that kid. Oh man. Well look, uh, I can't wait I uh, can't wait to see him grow up and especially with having a dad like you, very inspiring stuff. Always oh, love talking We've to him. He's got an uncle like Matt! Always love always love uh all the all the stuff that you make, you know, the TV shows, oh, mate, the stand-up like shows. My... And now this Rogue Son. It is out on Audible this month. Thank you very
1: much. And you know what? I've actually bought your book because I thought this is gonna be a great ISO activity, so I uh I've got to, oh, I'm actually. Yeah, I'm about, Yeah, I'm gonna read your book.
0: I saw Roddy Chang yesterday. He, uh, I he had a copy on him. We he, he got me to sign it. Really? That's a nice Did thing. Yeah. <laughs> so he's read it. You can read it. We can do it. Yeah, I'll send yeah. one to Luke McGregor. Yeah. We'll do a legally brown. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's
1: do <let's> a reunion.
0: <laughs> reunion reading club. Um, awesome museum is saying. Thanks Thanks, so much for joining us. This has been the Conversations from Byron series. It's part of the Byron Writers Festival. Please keep checking out this podcast for all the other conversations that are happening in lieu of the uh, real-life tangible festival that that should have been happening in Byron Bay. Uh, Please keep in touch with us to find out all the news and to see how the rest of the festival will unfold. is saying thank you once again. Check out Rogue Sun on Audible, and we'll catch you again soon.
1: Thanks, bro. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. This
0: series has been generously supported by the Copyright Agency's Cultural Fund. For more conversations, please visit byronwritersfestival.com.